Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey, a podcast to encourage, educate, and equip you to care for children and youth through adoption, foster, and kinship care. Hosted by an adoptive mom with over 22 years of kinship and adoptive parenting experience, she's on this journey with you. Please welcome Sandra Flack. The crucible is for silver and the furnace is for gold and the Lord tests hearts. That is Proverbs 17, verse 3. Welcome to the Adoption and Foster Care Journey. I'm your host, Sandra Flack, and I'm excited to bring you my special guest today. But first, how are you doing? I always love to check in. Um, I know my week has been pretty good. Um, I'll share a win for... um, from my son Slava, uh, who I often, you know, he, he thinks he's famous, and um, or he wants to be famous. He is pretty famous, um, so he loves it when I share stories, and he wants me to always post about him on social media. But um, I'll tell you the story. Last Saturday, he had his first ever bowling tournament. He belongs to a a junior league, um, and although you know, primarily the whole you know group is a, you know neuro typical individuals his his team on the lanes that he bowls on um are you know there's a lot of uh neurodiversity so he's very comfortable there but um this tournament um the kids could sign up for and there was several dates to choose from and it just turned out the date that we picked um what none of his teammates none of the kids that he normally bowls with were bowling that day um and you know we weren't going to push him to participate it was completely up to him um and he had missed several weeks of bowling uh while we were up at our camp throughout february so he was a little rusty um the tournament was at a bowling alley that he doesn't normally bowl at with kids that he didn't know. Um, you know, and I knew that there would be a ton of people there, but you know, it was totally up to him the day before he was kind of giving me the vibe that he wasn't interested. He wasn't going to do it, which was totally fine. Um, so I wasn't prepared when he woke up that morning and said, Hey, I want to go to the bowling tournament. So, um, I took him. I had some mixed feelings, but I felt like, well, if he wants to do it, you know, we'll do it. Um, You know, we got there. He was clearly out of his league skill level. I think a lot of these teens that were in this tournament were kids who bowl on their school bowling team and, you know, probably bowl a whole lot more than he does even. Um, You know, and as always, he just, you know, relies on me to tie his bowling shoes because his shoes, um, we couldn't get ones that didn't have laces. And he, you know, it's not something he always avoids is tying shoes. So he's just, you know, happy as a clam, sticking his foot up on my knee and letting me tie his shoes, um, having no idea, you know, that, you know, all those other kids around him just tie their own shoes. Um, He didn't bowl quite as well as he normally does. But you know what? He did it. He stuck it out. Um, you know, he, he bowled. He, you know, just he didn't even seem like he was out of his element, so to speak. He just he just did it like he would bowl any other time. Um, you know what? The other boys, I have to say, who were bowling on the same lane as he was, um, you know, they were great with him. And they even high fived him whenever he got a strike because he did get a couple of those. Um, so overall, it was a good experience. I'm proud of him for stepping out and doing it. You know, I was a little, you know, I struggled with a little bit of that grief because um, I could sit there and see the vast difference between him and the, the neurotypical kids that were his same, you know, age. But he just, he just bowled and did it and, you know, had no you know, no problem doing that. So I'm proud of him. um, And I'll count that as a win. So um, anyway, before we get to our special guest today, um, we've got some important announcements for you. Natalie Vecchione of the FASD Hope 
podcast. And Sandra Flack of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast would like to invite you to join their Hope for the FASD Journey, a virtual support community for parents and caregivers raising individuals with an FASD, diagnosed or not. This faith-based community includes an online bi-monthly support group, a monthly VIP conversation, and a private Facebook group which includes a video devotional from Natalie and Sandra every Saturday. To register, visit justicefororphansny.org forward slash training forward slash F-A-S-D. And coming up on Thursday, March 30th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, I am teaching a three-hour online deep dive into FASD using the FACETS neurobehavioral model. And on Thursday, April 6th, I'm offering a free one-hour lunch and learn intro to FASD. Um, that is at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So if you've been listening to this podcast, whether you're new or you've been listening for a while, if you feel like, you know what, it's time, I want to learn more. Um, I don't know whether or not FASD is something that, you know, is going on at our house. Um, you know, I'm not even sure if the child I'm raising was prenatally exposed. Um, you know, but if you feel like it's time to learn more, the Lunch and Learn is free it's an hour of your time. I go over, you know, we just kind of scratch the surface, but we go over all the symptoms and some different things that really are eye-opening. Um, and then um, beyond that, we have the three-hour, which um, goes deeper, and I get to use the facets model because um, there's more time, um, you know, to unpack that a little bit or at least as much as you can over three hours because, you um, you know, I could teach up to 18 hours on this. I have a workshop that is 18 hours or three six-hour sessions is usually how we break it down. Um, and I can do any of these workshops online or in person. So if you're listening and you're thinking, you know what, I would love to have Sandra come and, you know, we have a group of foster and adoptive parents at our church um, and, 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 you know, or wherever, and we want to get, you know, we want to get a teaching, a training, a weekend long or an evening long or an all day long, whatever, um, a workshop going for our group. Um, you know, I travel and I'm totally available to come and do that. I have things, you know, my schedule for the spring is kind of filling up, but, um, you know, definitely reach out to me if you want to get something in person like that scheduled, or even if you wanted to do it virtually. Um, but I do travel if you're interested in that. Also, if you're a parent or caregiver and you're thinking, you know what, I want, you know, I want my, um, you know, partner to know more about FASD, or I want my kid's grandparents to know, or my kid's special education teacher, or social worker, or employer, or, you know, babysitter, or whoever, if you feel like, you know what, I really want them to learn a little bit more about FASD, um, the free lunch and learn is a perfect place to start with them, or even the three hour. Um, so it doesn't have to just be a parent or a caregiver, it can be a professional, it can be for anyone interacting with your child that you want to have a better understanding. Um, your adult kids, if you're like me and you have grown adult kids, biological kids or whoever, and you're feeling like they don't really understand um, their younger siblings, you know, it, that would, it would even be fitting for them. So anyway, registration for the current workshops that are available on the calendar right now, you would go to our website, justicefororphansny.org um, and click events and you'll get the events that are are um, ready for you to register at. Um, the, the Lunch and Learn is free, but you have to register so you get the Zoom link because we do that through Zoom. Um, but any available trainings that are on the calendar um, waiting, you know, open for registration are under events. If you want to just know more about some of the other trainings and resources, our support group and things like that, you go to the same website, justicefororphansny.org, but then click training, which is a different tab at the top of the page. There's a drop down box and you want to you want to click on the one that says FASD and you'll find all of that other information on how to register for that there. 
Anyway, in addition to that, because we have lots of resources for you, um, be sure to check out our 21 bonus episodes of this podcast where we feature Dr. Jared Brown, um, who is a PhD and specializes in trauma, FASD, autism, and much, much more. This series of episodes focuses on topics of particular interest to adoptive and foster parents and even professionals, and they go way deeper than what we maybe would normally go because Dr. Brown specializes in these things. He has a PhD. He's got like four master's degree degrees. So he really is able to go over the science and the research and and um, and things like that. So we go deep into things that we kind of sort of know about, like prenatal trauma and FASD and screen time, but then deeper into um, you know alexithymia and um, working memory and cognitive flexibility and and you know things that. You know, we probably are living with every day with our kiddos, but don't realize they have a name or maybe this kind of applies to them. And it kind of is, I learned so much. It's so eye-opening. Um, it's, and this is, this series, these are episodes that are some of our most popular, most downloaded. Um, so we're thrilled to be able to bring them to you. Like I said, there's 21 of them. You just go to where you find all of our episodes on your device um, and you can scroll down through and any of the ones with Dr. Brown will indicate that they're a bonus episode with him. There are 21 of them. They're not in like chronological order because um, we recorded them over a period of time. Um, and it wasn't every single week, but you'll find them in there. And Dr. Brown just uh, reached out with another like 15 topics that he could speak on that would be relevant to us. Um, so I have a feeling that in the very near future, he will be back and we will be adding to this series. But um, anyway, you'll find them all there. I hope you'll check them out. Don't miss a single episode. So be sure to subscribe to this podcast. Um, and you know, you'll benefit from having this this weekly resource at your fingertips. Um, you can binge listen to all of them uh, anytime you want to. Uh, and also by subscribing, it helps other adoptive foster and kinship caregivers easily find this show because we know it's a vital resource and we want to help encourage and equip them also. Now, 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 we have a special guest today. I'm super excited. She actually was a special guest in our um, support group, our Hope for the FASD Journey support group. Um, she was one of our VIP conversations. So, Pat, Patricia Casper. Uh, Patty is committed to improving children's lives by providing practical tools to parents and professionals who care for children with brain-based differences whose behaviors are reflective of either brain changes that resulted from exposure to prenatal toxins and or from trauma or reflective of a poor fit between their cognitive abilities and the world's expectations of them. Patty has worked in the fields of mental health and child welfare for over 30 years and has worked with hundreds of foster and adoptive families. She has led workshops in the areas of adoption, trauma and resiliency, attachment, um, and neurobehavior for several years. Patty's other work as a hospice chaplain has fueled her fire of helping others to live life well and end the cycle of intergenerational trauma. Ooh, I cannot wait to dive into our conversation. Please welcome Patty Casper. Hi, Patty. Hi, how are you, Sandra? I am great, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I just love all the amazing things you're doing, and I can't wait for my listeners to hear about you and what you're doing. Oh, awesome. Thank you. It is my pleasure. Oh, mine too. So I know that you offer so many workshops and, and coaching and resources yeah. and things. You have a website, pattycasper.com. Um, Patricia you offer Casper. Patricia, yes. Actually, I was reading yeah. it off of my notes and I said Patty, but it, it is. It's Patri Patricia Casper yeah. with a K.com. And we'll put a link in the show notes to get yeah. to your website. You offer training yeah. and consultation in neurobehavioral mm -hmm. trauma, adoption, attachment, all of the things. So how did you get started yeah. in this profession? Um, 
Oh, gosh. It, it Like I told uh, Robbie one time, I actually started college when I was 16. So I have a very well-rounded background. Um, and I've always felt that the closer you get to what it is that God wants you to be doing, the easier things become. And so he led me to social work, um, oh gosh, back in the mid 80s. And then I'm, I got my graduate degree in psychology. I was a therapist when I was living back east. Um, and then I moved out here to California because I met my husband on a, uh, a, a single site for our particular denomination. Uh, which is now defunct. It was as if it was there just long enough to put us together. <laughs> um, and in California, their standards are so much way beyond the rest of the country. Um, you know, when I was on the East Coast, licensure was just getting off the ground other than for social work for licensed professional counselors and what have you. It was pretty much, yeah, you could do it, but it's not mandatory. So, I mean, that, that tells you how long ago, how, how long I've been in the business. Um, so I went back to social work and I've been working in child welfare since January, 2000. Um, <clears throat> I worked for one company um, for almost 22 years, doing a wide range of things from foster care and supervising. Um, I switched over to their adoptions team probably about 16 years ago. I think it was 2005, whenever Dancing with the Stars started because I got my training out of town and watched that for the first time. And I, and I was hooked because I was a dancer back in high school. That's how I remember my change <laughs> from one role to the other. I never remember the year. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I wrote a lot of adoption home studies for, you know, well over a decade. And then I moved over to post-adoption support. And that's when I really began training. Um, so it's kind of funny. I'm nearing the sunset of my career and discovered my passion for training. <laughs> wow. So, but through the years, I've always sought out additional learning for whatever the needs were for the kids and families on my caseload. Because I hate watching families and kids fall between the cracks and get mm -hmm. kicked to the curb and not get the help that they need because people don't know what they're doing. Um, you know, it was funny when I sat down to do a podcast with Natalie, um, she ended up not airing it. The theme was the things I wish I knew at the beginning of my adoption career, right? All the things that I know now that I didn't have a clue then. Um, <clears throat> and that's the sad thing. You don't learn this stuff in grad school, right? right. All the things on trauma, they touch on it, but they don't really delve deep into it in grad school. Um, stuff on attachment, it's not covered. Adoption issues, they're not covered. So those are all topics that we have to pursue down the road on our own. Um, and definitely FASD falls into that category. Yeah, so, that's what I was thinking. Gosh, yeah, all those yeah. things. I mean, I just kind of assumed counselors knew about the attachment and all the adoption issues. Mm -hmm. And I, I know they don't know about FASD, um, yeah. but I didn't realize how vast it was that yeah. it's lacking there. So, because with social work, it's such a broad profession, right? You can do so many things with it that they really have to stick with the basics. And whatever yeah. you decide to specialize in, that's what you have to pursue on your own. You know, or if you want to go to a doctorate where you're really diving in on something of your choosing. Um, so in that, in 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 that aspect, I delved into um TBRI, right? Trust-based relational intervention. And I thought this is really good stuff, but it wasn't making the difference for my kids and families that I wanted it to, that I, that I had hoped to see. It's as far as trauma-informed, you know, they're great approaches and kids do respond very well to them 
compared to a lot of other things, but it's still compliance driven. It's still expecting a child to comply. It's a much more gentle approach than traditional approaches, but it's still compliance based. One thing that I like about it is it does dive into brain and the the effect that trauma has on brain, but it doesn't go far enough compared to like the, the neurobehavioral model, which says behavior is linked to cognitive tasks that underlie each behavior, whatever it is. And if you want change, you have to figure out what cognitive tasks are really challenging for your kiddo. Um, so since I wasn't seeing the traction from TBRI, um, although I enjoy doing, you know, training groups and, you know, running classes county or whatever on TBRI had a great time doing that, but I wanted to search out more. And I had some good friends here in the Bakersfield area whose kids between the two of them, they had five kids, either, I think it, Evelyn had two, their niece and nephew, who were FAS, and they were in their 20s already when I met her. And then um, Colleen, she had three kids who were adopted through foster care, and they are, and, and two of them are twins, but all three of them are in different places along the FASD spectrum. Um, so that really is what got me into this journey of FASD. And so they introduced me to um, Eileen Devine to consider her to do more trainings. And so I made that connection. I talked the higher ups in my organization to bring her in to um, train all of our offices that had an adoption license, because I worked for an agency that was statewide, there were probably 30 different offices, each with a different combination of programs. And, um, uh, oh, I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked. And I was like, Eileen, where can I learn more? And she's like, oh, come to the program that I teach up here in Portland. And, um, but it's only open to social workers in Washington and Oregon. And I thought, well, that's not going to work. And she's like, oh, go to facets. And I was hooked. I was hooked. I signed up immediately. My company was like, oh, yeah, we're not paying for any more. We just, you know, spent thousands of dollars to send you for, for TBRI. We're not going to do that. And I'm like, okay, fine. I paid for it on my own. <laughs> and then they felt guilty and paid me back, which was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to... Okay. I shut off uh, my internet because I got tired of hearing the ding. <laughs> so I don't know if you could hear it or not, but it was no, bugging I me. couldn't. That's fine. Okay. I, cu I couldn't hear it. But if it's bugging you, I know what that's like to have yeah. that distraction. Yeah, right. Yeah, for sure. So, so when I was when I was taking the classes at, with facets, you know, they have an exploration tool, which really helps you narrow down some of those cognitive tasks, right? The things that the brain yeah. has to do in order to perform a behavior. And I was recognizing myself all over the place, right? What is going on? And um, I was having a conversation with my mom and my husband, very sarcastically on his way, passing through the room said, oh, is that what's wrong with you? I was like, oh. I don't know, mom, <laughs> did you drink while you carried me? You know, it was the early sixties. And, and she was like, oh, of course, every day. Because who didn't back then, right? <laughs> they didn't know any better. That was 10 right? years before Ken Jones discovered FAS was a thing. So um, yeah, so it's been a journey the last three years or so to um, look back over all of my life with this new lens and realize that FASD explains a lot better all the things that I had come up with my guess, best guess for, oh, this is why I do this. This is why that's hard. Um, you know, it, it's really been um, an, an incredible journey. So, wow. but I wanted a bigger audience than I could get just with an FFA. And so I launched my company uh, a year ago, 
And um, it, so I am a professional development trainer. Uh, I train foster family agencies right now. I am very eager to start training, you know, county departments, uh, you know, DHS offices. Um, <clears throat> I want to be able to not only train foster and adoptive parents, you know, you guys need this so much, but I also want to be able to train birth parents for the kids that go home because mm, those birth yeah. parents are not prepared. And and hopefully that will cut back on the recidivism, right? On kids coming back into the system. Yeah. And the other piece of that, if training county workers, so many of the county workers that we deal with, you know, in the foster care, I don't know if you're if you're with your county or agency, what have you, we all know county workers that get very frustrated with birth parents and say, I don't know why that's so hard. I mean, we're not asking very much. Except we all know that drinking and drug use is a generational thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, doesn't it make sense then that so is the FASD or the impact of drugs on board? Right? It doesn't matter what substance someone uses, it changes the brain. They're teratogens. They change the way the brain is. And that makes things that typical, neurotypical people, right? Your average show, it makes things that they assume should be very easy, very, very challenging. But it's those things are different for all of us. They're different for all of us. And so it could biologically be very difficult for birth parents to do whatever it is the county has asked them to do to get their kids back. You know, the parents also need a different approach. The kids we care for need a different approach, but so do the parents. Everybody is losing out the way things are right now. You know, 80% of kids in care or adopted out of care have an FASD. Whether or not it's di been diagnosed, 80% have prenatal exposure to alcohol. That's eight out of every 10 kids. That's huge. So if you think about it, probably eight out of 10 parents have also been impacted. Yeah, because of the generational piece. Yes. And I know it, yeah. it's interesting because some of the work that my organization does um, beyond beyond the foster care and adoption aspect, we have a, a program called Care Portal and we're working with local child welfare agencies mm -hmm. and com um, connecting them with churches to help meet needs of families that are in crisis to help oh. prevent kids from coming into care or yes. to help make a kinship placement and that kind of thing. So yes. we also have, in addition to the, 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 the county agencies, <laughs> we do have so far at least one family treatment court where you know, the, the court system there is noticing that, you know, so the kids maybe haven't been removed from the home, but there's stuff going on that if we could support these parents better, mm -hmm. um, the kids can stay. Um, yeah. So uh, so I've, I've been approaching all of these agencies that our organization has contact with um, about getting the FASD training because yes. I can see it, exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know, it is generational. And to be able to, to to realize that if you you know if you're if you're have adopted or are fostering kiddos that you know that that have an FASD whether they're diagnosed or not but if you know they've there's been prenatal exposure, mm -hmm. it's highly likely that their parent was also exposed yes. prenatally exposed. Yes. So it's it is generational. So that is just incredible. And yeah. your business is Patricia Casper with a K dot com. Yeah. Again, we're going to have links yeah. in the show notes. And because I wanted yeah. to ask you about, you've got all this fabulous training from TBRI to FACETS. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, a, I'm a certified facilitator of the FACETS mm -hmm. model also. Yeah. Um, so I, I know how amazing it is. So you do parent coaching through your I business. Do. So yeah. tell us about that. So I created, um, I created a nine-month program simply because... That's my estimate on how long it will take to move through it, right? Um, to to cover all the things from my decades in the field that parents really need. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
um, because, you know, it covers some of the intergenerational stuff. All of us, whether we're impacted or not from substance exposure, alcohol exposure, family trauma, whatever, all of us learn how to parent by being parented, right? And if we grew up in a family and said throughout our youth, when I become a parent, I'm never going to do blah, blah, blah. You know, it's no surprise that when we are under stress as parents, we often end up doing blah, 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 <laughs> right? Because when we're stressed, we go back to default programming. Um, so that's one of the pieces, but it doesn't mean that you, um, that you're always going to do that, right? Because you can overcome anything if you have the right education and the right support, um, also attachment cycles. We, we, uh, the way we interact with other people is absolutely driven by the attachment programming during the first 18 months of our lives. Whether we avoid inter, um, you know, interpersonal connections and intimacy with other people, or whether we are very needy and seeking it all the time, um, or whether we're secure, right? Um, all that is dependent on our parents. And in turn, it sets the tone for how we interact with other people. It can explain, um, for instance, we all know if you have a dysfunctional relationship, chances are you're going to go from one bad relationship to another, to another, to another, until you do a lot of work, right? Um, but you can get there. You can do that work um, in the same way with parenting. We can become a secure base of attachment for the kids in our care if we do the work, right? That's called earned secure attachment pattern, Um so I weave all that into it too. My my nine-month program is largely neurobehavioral model in terms of learning to identify those underlying brain tasks, learning how to tailor accommodations to make things easier for our kids so that they feel seen and heard and valued so that they can make sense of why they are the way they are and their place in the world because they experience judgment from so many people you know, for not measuring up, for not meeting all their shoulds, <laughs> right? We have shoulds for our kids based on how we were parented. And that's what we have to relearn is it's not about, it. we have to adjust our expectation for our kids' abilities, but really looking at the backwards at what we learned from our parents will make it easier for us to make those adjustments and accommodations. Gosh, um, that's so good. So I is I love facets. It's yeah. It was a game changer for me. It was so revolutionary in my in my practice as a social worker, and and as a coach. I'm a certified uh, virtual coach, um, but also just profession or personally, right? When I realized that I have FASD, <laughs> I, I will never say anything wrong about facets and the model that they created. But if you, you know, and I can do their classic training, which is fantastic. It's a fantastic training, but my coaching is a lot longer. It's spread out over time because it's yeah. not enough to sit in a one, two, six hour workshop <laughs> right. and learn everything and then forget it because you've been so overloaded with so many new concepts, right? Mm -hmm. I really want to walk alongside people and hold their hand and support them and really encourage them as they try out these new skills, as they mm -hmm. try out this new approach and, and gain confidence, right? Yeah, I love that. So yeah wow that is that is wonderful so you are a certified virtual coach you mm -hmm. said i didn't even know like that was a thing um yeah and 
Yeah. So I love all those things that you're doing to support parents for the long haul because I see it, you know, because I yeah. can I do a I do a one hour free lunch and learn virtually just to introduce people to FASD. Mm-hmm. But it's barely barely scratching the surface they really need to go deeper into the model and then you're like you know taking it even deeper than that so I love what you're doing um I know I know something else that you and I previously talked about is is we don't realize that the brain changes the brain differences could be from family or origins you you touched on it a little bit because you talked about some intergenerational stuff and we learn things from our parents and all of that but so could you unpack that a little bit more yeah Yeah. so if you think about and and i'm sure you've talked about this because you you talk about the neurobehavioral model a lot right and and that is where we learn the statistic that in the general population fasd affects five percent of the people walking around in this, at least in the United States and Canada, it's 5%, right? Some countries where drinking is really prevalent, it's, it's a lot higher than that. But here it's 5%. Um, but that's one in 20 people. That's a minimum of one kid in every classroom. It's a minimum of probably, unless you live on a cul-de-sac with very few houses, <laughs> where there might be one person on the spectrum, right? For for the average street, that's a lot of people just on that one street who are affected by it, who don't know, who don't know. The number of people walking around with FASD diagnosed is minuscule. So I did a search the other day on the stats. You know, I took that 5%, which is conservative and it's also pre-COVID. Right. And that's important. That's pre-COVID. What happened with the pandemics? People started drinking more. Right. Alcohol sales went up 20 percent and they've remained at that 20 percent higher sales rate, even though the lockdowns are over. Right. Women started consuming alcohol. Guess how much women consumption went up by? It's high. I heard it. I was going to guess 40 because I know I've heard that stat. Yeah. 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 41%. So if in foster care, we were already looking at 80% pre-COVID, can you imagine what it is now? Yeah. Scary. Every foster parent and adoptive parent is going to be bombarded. There's not going to be anyone that this neurobehavioral approach is not going to be beneficial for. Mm. But in saying that, I took... 2022 U.S. adult population statistics and did 5%. So there's over 16.6 million of us in the U.S. walking around with FASD and we don't have a clue. Mm, Very few of us have a clue. And so that means, you know, what happens with FASD? It means we have challenges in life. You know, and it's a spectrum. So the the impact may be minimal, right? Like in my case, mm-hmm. I've got three master's degrees, and umpteen certifications. I would say it has a minimal aspect in, in the greater context, although it still brings significant challenges to me. But how many Can you people give are us- walking around? Yeah. I don't I don't want to I don't want to interrupt your flow there but I'm just thinking because you just said all of that and yeah. how you know all of the certification and your master's degrees how does it present in you mm. personally Um I chase a lot of squirrels mm-hmm. <laughs> Right I get off track Um I'm very passionate about the things that I am tackling Um but I'm fairly disorganized I I saw someone on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago make a comment about how his desk, you know, it's organized chaos, right? But his desk looks like someone vomited on it. Yeah, that Mm. would be my desk too. (laughs) Try as I might. (laughs) I cannot keep it nice and neat and tidy. I know where everything is. But part of that is because I work on something out of my passion up until the absolute last minute before I have to switch gears onto mm-hmm. something else. So I don't 
ever, as much as I want to, leave myself the time to put away everything from project one before I do project two. And at the end of the day, oh, it's time for dinner. <laughs> I work right. up until the last second. <laughs> and so that's that's problematic because my husband, you know, he's not diagnosed OCD, but he's a neat freak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it creates tension from time to yeah. time. <laughs> yes. So it and the other another piece of that would be um something that dawned on me in talking with um Natalie last time, or no, maybe it was a conversation I had with Robbie. You know, I started, well, what started you on this journey? And I was like, well, I started college when I was 16 and I'm I'm very well educated, like I said at the beginning of our conversation. But as I laid that out, all the changes that I made, I kept changing my major. And with that came a change in university. And, um, you know, by the time I started my junior year, I had 110 college credits plus nursing clinical. And so, you know, by the time I got my first graduate degree, I had probably close to 300 college credits. Wow. And then I have two more college, two more master's degrees. <laughs> so they're overlapping, though. They, um, they're both theology degrees. Mm -hmm. And so three of the semesters were identical. Just one semester was different for each. So, you know. Wow. If you wow. already have three, qu three quarters of a master's done, you might as well go for it. Yeah. Get them both. <laughs> Get them both. <laughs> So, so I didn't want to, you know, so, but thank yeah. you for breaking that down a little bit. So you, sure. you, you realized that you had some, you know, some yeah. neurodivergency. Yeah. I don't know if that's a word, but um, it is. going on. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I really, I really lay that out in my, in my book, right? The preface of the book is my story. And so in the telling of my story from childhood, all the way through the present, I highlight the bits and pieces of things that happened in my life that looking back now that I know I'm on the FASD spectrum, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> and know. you're self-diagnosed, right? You didn't, you didn't go I, get I a... Am, I did not because my mother telling me I drank every day, that was enough for me. Wow. Yeah. And that was back, like you said, in the 60s when people mm -hmm. weren't talking about... Right. You know, right. not drinking when you're pregnant. So, right. yeah. Wow. Wow. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So I don't know if either one of us can remember where you were, where you left off before I interrupted you to go to another direction. <laughs> I told you I chased squirrels. Yeah. Well, I didn't help because I dangled the shiny object. So, <laughs> yeah. Shiny object syndrome. I've got yeah. that. <laughs> I, um. Well, we were uh, we were unpacking. We yeah, we were we were you were talking about five percent of all people in North yes, America. Yes. Um, so yeah, how many people have from dysfunctional backgrounds go on to have dysfunctional lives, right? Because it's what they've learned, right? But also because of how they're wired. Mm -hmm. How they're yeah. wired. Yeah. That some things are just harder. Right. And if, for instance, we are we have challenges socially. Right. Um, then we get faced with a lot of rejection. Well, what does that drive? That drives anxiety that that drives depression, that drives isolation, that drives alcohol and substance use. Right. As a means of coping with that chronic rejection. Um, if we are impacted in ways that affect our academic skills, then we have those constant messages of you're dumb, you're stupid, you're not good enough, you're not trying hard enough. Um, yeah, we're trying the best we can. <laughs> but it's not good enough. And, you know, or behaviorally, you know, as I'm sure you've talked about with the neurobehavioral model, some of the things that we do 
directly stem from the way our brains are wired. But some of the things we do are self-defense mechanisms to guard us against that chronic frustration and pain and anger at being blamed, shamed, punished for, for actions that are biologically wired into us. Wow. Wow. You, you describe it so well and, and uh, just shine so much light on this. So this, yeah. it's incredible. So, so I, question- I, did a, I did a master class last fall called Why Is My Life So Hard? Right. And I was yeah. gearing it for those adults who have never, you know, and I, I advertised it in the recovery community within LinkedIn because I wanted people to realize maybe it's not just because dad beat me or, um, you know, my parents were alcoholics or drug addicts or whatever, but maybe there's a more fundamental pain that I've always been living with that I needed to bury that I needed to self-medicate, right? Um, None of us like sitting in pain. And when it's chronic, we'll do anything to get away from it, right? Um, So I really want to reach that 16.6 million people out there who may not understand that they have a biological basis for having a hard time in life, whatever that hard time looks like. So, so out of that, I mean, there, there was a woman in my coaching school, you know, and this kind of goes back to how I always did things for the, I I took classes or courses or whatever for the betterment of the families that I serve. Well, here I am going, becoming a coach, right? I don't know about coaching. I'm a social worker. I'm a therapist. I've done those things. I've gone to school for those things. I've, Where's that line between what separates therapists from coaches? I don't know. So I went to coaching school. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's that's why I'm a, a certified virtual coach. But um, so she was in that program with me. She's a um, integrative health practitioner. And she took that class thinking of her son um, and realized, oh, yeah because I have been burying my pain. So my son is affected. And then she realized, wait a minute, I might, I might be affected. And she became my first client um, for an adult coaching program. And that's a three month program, neurodiversity mapping, um, where I basically help people tease out methodically what brain tasks are challenging for them and how to create those accommodations so that life is smoother. Um, and so I, I now actually have a couple people in that program. Um, but my, my passion is so torn, right? I am passionate about training professionals to do a better job, you know, because none of us knew what we didn't know until we learned it. (laughs) Right. And the social workers and therapists and teachers out there, they don't know this stuff about brain tasks because they've never been exposed to anything other than learning theory, which says behavior is choice. If you offer the right bribe or the right or threaten the right punishment, <laughs> they'll choose what you want them to choose. They'll do what they want, what you want them to do eventually. But that doesn't work if our brains have been changed by prenatal exposure to alcohol or drugs or trauma. Mm-hmm. Or a number of other things, right? If the baby's cord was wrapped around the neck during birth and they were without oxygen for a while, you get brain injury from that too. And the neurobehavioral model is effective for anything that has caused brain injury. Wow. That is so, so good to know. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Oh, yes. sorry. I was gonna because you so you've you've got coaching classes for 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 yeah. parent for mm-hmm. adults and for for parents. So yeah. for 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 a foster or adoptive or any parent that comes to you, um, you know, did did do, do they do they tend to know that it's a brain thing ahead of time? Do they know it's FASD? They may, they, they may or may not, right? And and chances are for FASD. Probably not, because like I said, very few cases are diagnosed. 
right? And that's something else that has to change within the child welfare system and, and within hospital systems, right? Children are you routinely screened for illegal substances, right? Methamphetamines or, you know, whatever it is. But they're not routinely screened for alcohol. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is the screening tool is a completely different tool and a much more expensive tool. The other reason is alcohol is legal. So why would they do that? And for the moms out there, they're going to confess, yes, I used because they have no choice because of the positive screening, the pause toxicology test. Why would they also confess to something that is legal? Why take on that extra shame if you don't have to? And are they even being asked if they drink alcohol? Chances are they're not because doctors and nurses are still saying it's okay. A glass of wine, no big deal. You'd think by now that would change, but it really hasn't. Yeah. Um, There's still so much stigma. But the, the other piece of that is people in the healthcare professional. I mean, they're people too. None of us like difficult conversations, right? We all tend to, for the sake of being polite, shy away from things that will cause shame. And so it's a matter, the medical people out there, doctors, nurses, um, you know, doulas, whoever, they need to get better at the way they phrase the question. Instead of saying, you didn't drink while you're pregnant, did you? Right. Which is a nice way of saying, tell me no, because I don't want to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Instead say, how far along were you when you realized you were pregnant? Mm. Yeah, that's and huge. Let's let's talk for a minute about those first three weeks, six weeks, three months. Whatever that time frame is. Did you drink socially during that time? Yeah. Did you drink regularly during that time? You know, there's still a thing out there about it's okay to drink until it's pink, right? No, it's not. (laughs) Yeah. In those early weeks, the damage is already done. Yeah, I think that's one of the scariest things with this. Mm-hmm. I don't know if scary is the right word, but, you know, I because I know, you know, we all know somebody who, yeah. you know, maybe just drank socially. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be a, a, a birth mother who was an alcoholic and a drug yeah. addict. Right. Anybody drinking socially um, here and there, those first crucial weeks yeah. of pregnancy, and then suddenly find out they're pregnant, yeah. um, that's, it could have already, you know, exposure has happened yeah yeah alcohol doesn't care it has no sense of you know what it's doing (laughs) right alcohol will affect whatever is being formed at that time right right so so eye-opening um Let's see, real quick, because I wanted to ask you about intergenerational trauma, because you teach on that. Could you define that, explain that to us? Oh, um, with that, I really delve into those attachment patterns and how we develop the attachment, how we develop into the type of base of attachment for our children, you know, and how that comes from our, our early childhood with our parents. Um, So I use some questions from the adult attachment interview in that. Um, And that is not a certification that I have pursued, but I just use a handful of questions that is on any decent adoption questionnaire. (laughs) (laughs) You know, things about describe your parent, um, you know, their personality, in five words, you know, for each parent, your childhood relationship with your parent, right? What was the quality of that relationship? Um, and then come up with memories that support those words. Um, you t- Then you take a look at, are all those adjectives you came up with, are they all positive? Are they all negative? Did you struggle to come up with memories 
to support it because you might be, um, you might have a lot of blank spots. You know, that was something that I had really been caught off guard with when I was pursuing my TBRI uh, training, because you can't just go to the training, you have to apply for it. And part of that application is the, is the attachment interview, the adult attachment style interview. And so I did this whole process and I was flabbergasted to realize, yeah, my mom comforted me. I could list a couple times when she did, but I have absolutely zero memory of how she comforted me. No clue. Well, that's actually pretty significant. <laughs> it's actually pretty significant. So it takes a look at all of those things. Um, you know, it it this training um, that I do, I ask, you know, what are some traumatic moments from your life? You know, it could be the the, uh, the death of a pet, right? For kids, that's traumatic. Well, who comforted you and how did they do it? Right. And if it wasn't your mom and dad, well, who was it and how was that done? Um, so it really teases out who who were the people that mitigated trauma for you. Right. That's how it, not everything bad that happens is traumatic. It depends on the level of support we have moving through that and coping with it. Um, so we look at all those pieces in that training and also the. Um, the parenting style, right? On the grid, and you'll recognize this um, as a ETC trainer, right? That grid between how nurturing were your parents and how uh, structured were your parents, right? And don't, when we are stressed, don't we tend to parent the way our parents did? One or the other of them. Yeah. So, and trying to plant those seeds about how we can be more intentional. Wow. So, Sounds like such a fabulous training. Um, again, yeah. your website is Patricia Casper with a K mm -hmm. dot com. And we're going to put the link to that in the show notes so that our yeah. listeners will know. Um, so yeah. if, if people want to reach out to me, the best way is just email. Um, it's contact at patriciacasper.com. Um, you can find me on Facebook, my business page, um, facebook.com. Um, and I'm sure you'll, you'll put this in the show notes too. Yeah. Um, we're all, or we are all diamonds in the rough, right? Yes. That's, that's I just followed your page. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's my, uh, my business, uh, tagline, right? We're all diamonds in the rough. There's all always more we can do to, to, be a better version of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. We will. We'll include all of those links in the show notes yeah. um, so our listeners can can check out everything that you have there. Yeah. And um, and also be looking for my book to come out um, yes. in time for September. It's called Sip by Sip, Candid Conversations of Those um, Affect or Diagnosed as Adults with FASD. Wow. So definitely um, would love to have you back on the show to talk about your book specifically, yeah. because that's that will be very exciting. So exciting yeah. project there. Um, Patty, our, our listeners, as I shared with you, are mostly adoptive parents, mm -hmm. foster parents, kinship caregivers. Um, yeah. We're all raising children who've experienced trauma, prenatal yeah. exposure to alcohol, you know, all the things. Right. The journey is hard. You know, I'm a, a parent of, of um, five adopted children. So as we wrap up, would you share some advice or some encouragement for our parents on this journey? Um, be part of a community with people who are walking the same journey you are, right? I, I learned that, um, you know, for, I identified myself as having an invisible disability years before I figured out I was, I had FASD. So as a type one diabetic, um, you know, I've, I've lived with that for 57 years, almost 58 years, um, and I never thought of it as a disability until in 2011, when I realized my body was no longer picking up 
signals of low blood sugar. And I had all the technology that was out there. I, you know, I'm always on my A game with that. And I thought, huh, this has just become a disability. And so I got a service dog. And once she and I started out there in the public sphere, that's when I realized the importance of community. Because there's a lot of pushback against people whose disabilities are invisible. But if our kids that we're that we're taking care of, adopted or fostered, you know, or or just a, a cool kid down the street that you like to hang out with, you know, because you recognize they need someone. <laughs> um, our kids, if they're impacted by drugs, alcohol, trauma, they have a physical disability. If it has, if something has changed their brain, that is a physical disability. And it happens to be invisible because we can't see it. So there's pushback, right? And people judge your kids. And then if traditional approaches don't work, then all the professionals out there start blaming you as the parent or caretaker, because you must be enabling this behavior or it would have changed. It can't possibly be the fault of the technique. Now, could it? Insert eye roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? So wow. find a community that will support you, right? There is an absolutely terrific community on Facebook for FASD for adults with FASD as well as caregivers called Flying with Broken Wings. It is a it is a terrific community. Um, I also have one called Support for Parents whose kiddos are affected by toxins and trauma. So I would invite people to, um, you know, to ask to join, fill out the questions, because I want to make sure that, you know, people really do have a challenging kiddo in their home, you know, with something that I can assist with. Um, Parents for Kids is another really good one that is constantly kicking out resources. So that's parents, the number four kids. Um, that's run by a couple good friends of mine. Um, so, but yeah, find a community because the social workers who support you have been educated with all the traditional education. They don't know this stuff. They don't know this stuff. So there be telling you to use traditional approaches that aren't going to be effective. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I think that's an incredible, it's, incredible piece of advice because it is as a parent, I know how isolating it can be. People mm -hmm. just don't get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Special education teachers don't get it. The pediatrician mm -hmm. doesn't get it, mm -hmm. you know. So we formed right. a support group, Natalie Vecchione and I. Um, so mm -hmm. we we lead the hope for the FASD Journeys virtual support group. One of the great yeah. things about COVID, if there could be a great thing, would be how it opened the door for all these online support groups because now yes. we really have access to support um, and we don't have to find a babysitter and, you know, leave yeah. the house and leave our kids somewhere. It's so much easier for us to right. be able to connect and do that. So I agree. Right. Community is key to surviving this journey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, Patty, thank you so, so much for all that you're doing for the for the FASD community, all of the way you support and equip and train and provide that coaching. Um, greatly appreciate it. And I can't wait to get my hands on your book. So keep me in the oh. loop on that. And we'll have you back on the show when it's time for book launch. Um, okay. Thank you so much for being with us yeah. today. And, you know, if I can throw out one more thing. I'm, oh, you yes, know, you, please do. You have an international audience, I'm sure. Right. So for those of you who are still working with a, a foster family agency or a county uh, foster care department, if any of the trainings that we've talked about today seem like, oh, that would be really cool, then have the agency you're affiliated with ask me to do a training. I'd love to be able to do that. Absolutely. So the, the more the, the more training people. we can get out there, the better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the more professionals that know this stuff, the better they'll be yes. able to support you. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. We can't have enough people in this fight. Yeah. Amen can, to that. Yeah. Yeah.
Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Patty, for being with us today and for sharing and for all that you're doing. Thank you. It's been my pleasure to spend this time with you, Sandra. Thank you, Patty. Wow, what a great conversation with Patty Casper. She's a wealth of information. And she wanted me to make sure that I let you know that she actually has a new cohort of her parent group that's going to be launching on Wednesday, April 5th. So if you are interested in getting um, some some parent coaching from from Patty, um, you can email her. We're going to put her email address, her website, and her Facebook um, contact information all in the show notes for this episode. So make sure you check those out. And if you're interested in that um, parent group, Uh, go ahead and contact Patty. And um, thank you so much for staying with us to the end here on the adoption and foster care journey. I hope you feel inspired and supported by our show today. I know I am. Uh, Patty's a great resource. So again, check out her website. Uh, Remember, for guidance on your parenting journey, you can check out my website for for additional resources. We have our Hope for the FASD Journey virtual support community, as well as our Intro to FASD Lunch and Learns and our Deep Dive Workshops where I uh, can teach those online or in person and I use the FACETS Neurobehavioral Model. So for details and to register, you can also go to our website, justicefororphansny.org to check out all of the resources we have there under training and under events. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to let us know by subscribing. If you listen on an Apple device, please leave a review. I would greatly appreciate that. And let your fellow adoptive and fostering friends know about this podcast so that they can listen to the show and be encouraged and equipped as well. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans, as well as myself, Sandra Flack. You can find me on both platforms as well. I am grateful that you spent your valuable time with me today, and I am thrilled to have you along for the journey. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adoption and Foster Care Journey podcast. Brought to you by Justice for Orphans. We hope you were encouraged today. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. And share it with your fellow foster and adoptive parent friends so they can be encouraged too. Be sure to find and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Justice for Orphans. And check out our website for vital resources at justicefororphansny.org.